Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us this privilege to worship you, Lord. Thank you for counting worthy our praises, Lord. May our songs and our worship and our praises be a sweet-smelling fragrance to your nostril, Lord. And thank you for being here, Lord, this morning. Thank you, Lord. Your presence makes a difference, Lord. And we are blessed and we want to bless you, Lord. And we want to open up our hearts to hear your word, to receive, to respond, and to live that word for your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody say, Amen, Amen. Take your seats. Hallelujah. As an act of appreciation for the worship team, let's give them a round of applause. They've done a good one. Amen. Amen, church. I was told by Pastor August, the first service only can speak 30 minutes. Second service, anytime. So I hope you brought your lunch and your tea packets. Huh? Hallelujah, God is good. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad that there is a Sunday. And I'm so glad I'm alive to be here. Hallelujah. This is the last Sunday of the month of May. Amen? 28th May is the last Sunday. Today, worldwide, we all churches are observing Pentecost Sunday. Because Pentecost Sunday is a reminder that on that day, the apostles were, the disciples were waiting for Jesus as they promised the visitation of the Father. And the Holy Ghost came as fire upon them. And they started speaking in tongues. That's the birth of tongues. And then thousands got saved. Hallelujah. Pentecost. Maybe we need some fire on our heads. Eh? Huh? Hallelujah. But good, it's good to be in the house. And this morning, I thank God that I'm able to share with you something that has been on my heart for a while, but I never really, I don't normally use PowerPoints, huh? just to let you know, not to offend any of you, but I'll point you to the power today. Amen? I'll point you definitely to the power. My sermon will be pointed to the power. But if you pointed to the PowerPoint, then you lose Jesus' power. Huh? All right, this morning, I have been given a text that is a very sorrowful, sad, very painful one to preach. I'm preaching from 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 12 to 32. Don't read now because you get confused. There are so many names hard to pronounce. Huh? There's so many things happening that makes you sad. And then you don't understand how to interpret you know, sometimes I realize a lot of people get discouraged when they read the Bible because one, they don't understand. Two, they don't know how to interpret. Isn't that true? If you see a movie, you don't understand. and then They're talking in a different language. What? But let me assure you that there is a way to understand and interpret. The Bible says when you read the Bible, read with the Holy Spirit's guidance. The Spirit will open up your mind and your heart to understand. You don't need a PhD to read the Bible. 
because you need the Bible to repair the PhD, your permanently head damage. Right? Amen? A bit of humor so that you will get excited. And Amen? This morning, I'm going to preach from there. But let me just take you back. The backdrop of 2 Samuel chapter 1 is when Saul dead. Saul dies. King Saul dies. Do you know that everybody dies? None of us. Though we have eternal life, but this physical body must die and translate into a new body to enjoy eternal life. Amen? So each one, so don't see death as sorrow. Death is a joy. You only sorrow is when the person don't know Jesus. That's the greatest sorrow. But if you know Jesus, hallelujah. You don't want to meet him? You don't want? I want. I want him to say, Pastor Michel, welcome, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He won't call me pastor, he'll call me my child. Welcome, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Your PhD, your bad attitude, BA is all no valid there. He just called you a servant. Amen? So Saul dies. And a lot of people say, but Saul was anointed to be a king. You mean anointed also die? Yes. Jesus was anointed. Amen? Anointed as the Messiah. What's that? The Savior of the world. Anointed as Messiah. Savior can die. If he didn't die, we die. He died that we may have life. Isn't that true? He said, I have come to give you life. What? Abundant life. But when Saul died, it was the sad end of a man's life. Amen? He was a king. But towards the later part of his life, he forgot God. And then God had anointed David as a successor. But Saul was angry. Saul was jealous. And so the whole Bible tells us, Saul scheme, scheme how to kill David, how to eliminate the competition. But because God was with David, David was victorious. Remember this. If you want to be victorious, make sure you are with God and God is with you. Saul, the Bible says, the Spirit of God left Saul. So he's no longer victorious, but defeated. Some of you sit in church here this morning and you are defeated. In name, you're a Christian. In your mouth, you call yourself a Christian. But in your heart, you're defeated. It's not about believing in Jesus. It's about obeying what He tells you. You know what the Bible says? You call me Lord, Lord, Lord. But you don't do what I tell you. So how can you believe in me? If you believe in me, you will do the things I tell you. Amen? So Saul died. I pray that when this Sunday when you go home, you take a review 
a good review of your heart. Do you really love God? Do you believe in Him? The mouth say, but the heart doesn't. Jesus says in Matthew, say, you worship me with your lips, but your heart is far, far, far away. Maybe your heart is in the warong there, you want to go eat afterwards, huh? Maybe your heart, I don't know where. Saul had a sad ending. Saul's life. And so when Saul died, in, chap in verse chapter 2 now, his son is not happy that David is going to be the king. So his son gathers his own troops, David has his own people, and they have a duel. Uh, D-U-E-L, duel. They're going to duel, they're going to fight it out. You bring yours, I bring, like gangster. You bring 20, I bring 20. We go to that place, at that time we settle. Exactly, if you read it, exactly. Bring this, let's meet there. Let's settle the score once and for all. And so they go. David goes with a clean mind and a heart. Saul's son had a scheme. You know, in life we live, be careful. Huh? Don't be naive. The Bible says, know the schemes of your enemy. We are Christians. We must have the discerning spirit to know. Don't let your enemy lead you into a trap. Understand? One day, I brought a friend to casino. I don't play casino. I don't like them. But my friend from Singapore want to see a casino. I don't know why people want to see a casino. Eh? And so, 11.45, I told my wife, we go late at night, so nobody Christians will be there. They won't say, hey, Pamiso, why you go casino? Huh? Then, eh? So, I went 11.45, 11.45, walking nice, nice, suddenly I heard, hey, Pamiso, are you, I dare not turn around. <laughs> then when I turn around, I see hey, all these young people from another church, I said, what are you doing here? Pamiso, what are you doing here? <laughs> Chuchimata. <laughs> nah. I said, what? <laughs> I don't know why people go. This is a, sometimes if you are having a gambler's weakness, don't go there. Because ching chung yang, you had the machine all going. Yeah, really, you can fall into the trap. I said, oh man, to my 11.45 or so, they are out going to casino. I was trying to hide them. Huh? But you know, when I look at it this way, the heart, look at them. The two groups gathered. Two groups had, one had a scheme, one went there with a genuine heart. David went there to meet. David was happy to meet the son. David was there, but David didn't know they're scheming against him. Many times, the enemy scheme against you. And then kita bodo-bodo like that, we walk into the trap. But if you keep praying, the Spirit of God will quicken your heart and tell you, be careful. Eh? And so they have a fight, a duel. They kill one another. They stab. They fought. They, they did everything which brought sad uh, judgment on the nation. Not only two good friends fought, not only two good families fought, not only that, the political situation of Israel was affected because this is the king, the king of Israel fighting. All these skirmishes 
and schemes is how the devil worked to destroy the church. Destroy your life, destroy your cell group, destroy your fellowship. Such a sad story. The king just died. Not enough, one sorrow, another sorrow. You know, normally, if you study psychology or you do counseling, sorrow follows sorrow. Sometimes people lose a loved one and they're not happy the way they lost the loved one. They scheme to take action against those people who they think, who they think are the cause of it. And so it continues. Not say close the chapter, they open up another chapter. And so that's what happened. So sad. When I think of this story, I think of Cain and Abel. The first family fight. Two siblings. One die. And you think, the thing that troubles me is they were a God-fearing family. Saul was a God-fearing man. David, anointed to be king and God-fearing. The question that begets me in my heart is, be careful. Don't ever think you are a Christian. You are free from this. In fact, the enemy would target you first. But when he destroys you, he destroys the faith. And he always targets the head. You see, the enemy always hits the head because when the head drops, the tail is weak. This is happening here. They're fighting. So sad. Can you imagine the people there? What's going on? We are mourning the loss of a king and you guys are having a bloodbath. What are you trying to prove? Why? There are a few things I learned from this story. This is my own. Eh? I, this is my own. If you disagree, it's okay. But this is my take, my insight into what I read and what I understand historically. I've been to Israel. I've walked these places and I know and I studied Hebrew overseas. And I just want to take something. I, because it's a heavy scripture, I'm not going to labor on the scripture. I'm going to abstract the lesson from the scripture. Amen. I want to share with you the practical takeaway from this portion of Scripture that may be a blessing to you as you go on in your life. Number one, when you look at this fight, it's house of Judah versus the house of Israel, eh? David and, and It's two houses, two well-established bodies fighting. The first thing I realized when I looked at this is why are they fighting? Why? Because of the thing called P-R-I-D-E, pride. Saul's son was proud, or oh, sorry, he was, he was filled with pride. This is my father's house, I will be the king. But David was anointed by Samuel long ago. And God told Samuel, this man to be the king. So because of Saul's son's pride, he was challenging the anointing of God. Can you see that? He knows, Saul's son knows David is the king, anointed. But his pride 
was going to challenge God. How many of you do that to God? You know, we are all people with pride. The pride that we have can become things that will be divisive, divide you. I was telling the church this morning, pride is different from proud. I am proud to be a Christian. But I don't boast. Nothing to boast. But I walk with dignity and I'm proud to stand for God. Pride is ego. Pride is ego. Being proud, no ego. My pr I'm proud because of him, not me. But pride is because of me. I want to be the king, not you. And because of his pride, he was so evil that he was insulting the anointing of God. You know, church, sometimes you and I are caught in a situation like this. Your pride makes you challenge the authority of the church. Your pride makes you challenge the calling of that person. Your pride makes you numb from the presence of God. And you destroy whatever God wants to. You think you can destroy. Now, Saul's son thought he can destroy, but actually he destroyed himself. They call that self-destruction. Amen? Be careful. Don't play with God. Or they say, we always tell the kids, don't play with fire, fire burns. Because of one man's pride, it cost so many lives. Because of one man's pride, it affected the nation. Because of one man's pride, the judgment of God came upon them. Pride. Be careful, church. Don't play with God. God is a good, loving God. But God is a God that judges. Amen? So, learn this lesson. Be mindful. If somebody is anointed by God, you respect that person not because of him, but you respect the anointing of God upon him. But we are in a generation that grows up, that challenges everything. Walk, talk, whatever you call yourself. We challenge everything. Why? We don't respect. We even have a cancel culture. We want to cancel our history and everybody. You know why? We don't respect all that. And therefore, pride becomes the drive. Drive. It drives you to do things. With pride, families have gone to court to fight one another over a few million dollars. Because of pride. We fight. We don't care. Mind. We call it the unholy trinity. I, me, and myself fight against you. Pride. We laugh. But many of our hearts carry that. You know, pride breeds what? Your ego. You become very ego-driven. Ego. 
Ego is a three-letter word that can destroy a 12-letter word. It's what? Ego can destroy relationship, which is 12 letters. So how powerful ego is? One man's ego can destroy families, can destroy companies, can destroy organizations and establishments, can destroy churches, can even destroy himself. Because I want my way. One day I was in a church. I actually, one of my background work with churches, I do a bit of consultancy because of my legal knowledge. I helped. And one day I was caught in a board meeting, which I don't like. And in that board meeting, I heard this person say, I want this to be done my way. And then the other bozo on the other side said, no, do it this way. And then the church said, no, let it do it our way. And I said, now which way? Which way? But the Lord is good. Knowing me, I'm a very sharp. Suddenly, the Lord gave me a word. He says, tell them this. You can do your way. You can do His way or my way. But the church is run Jehovah's way, Yahweh's way. Yahweh, my way. Not your way. And then everybody quiet. Say, well, Pastor Pichu, you're very clever. Huh? Yeah, I said clever. But sometimes, the ego steps in. And then we forget. Listen, huh? this church is not ours. It belongs to Jesus. Upon this rock, I build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. My church. So why are we fighting? Not yours. Why are you going to fight? Why don't you go to the neighbor and I fight about his house? He said, you get lost. Not your house. Not yours. Don't fight. I always tell people in church, if you're not happy, go to another church. Don't destroy the church. Because the day you destroy the church, you carry that on your shoulder. If you're not happy, move on. It's okay. Not everybody is happy in church. Some people don't like the speaker. Some people don't like the colour. Some people don't like everything. <laughs> Having them in church means they think... Honestly, I've had people say, Pastor Mitchell, you better put more aircon. I say, why? Otherwise, I won't come. Don't come. I won't put the aircon for you. Soon everybody asks for everything we do for you. No, 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 no. Not this. Why? Ego. My way. And we destroy. We laugh, but yet we destroy. The enemy uses us as agents to destroy one another. Amen? He destroy. You know, you look at this fighting. The enemy is not outside. The enemy is inside. The enemy is inside. He's sitting down around. He's enjoying the sermon. It's inside. Be careful. Be careful, church. For the love of God, don't do things like that. Walk away. I've always learned this. If I can't, I walk away. I walk away. There's another tomorrow, I'll fight the battles. But I will not destroy the house of God. Nor was David said, nor will I touch the anointed of the Lord. Because that's a heavy sin and punishment for me. I won't let my ego lead me there. Yes, Saul's son is driven by ego. You see how evil the ego was? He even forgot the fear of God. He even didn't care about God's anointing over David. 
He didn't care of God's direction for Israel. That's why he anointed David to lead Israel. He didn't care. All he cared was what I want. Sometimes people at meetings, when they talk, I listen, huh? you hear, they don't say it outright, but the whole gist of what is coming is my way. I'm the chairman. I'm the vice president. I'm the smartest. Oh, yeah. I got more degrees. You know, in church work, let me, when I ran my church, I always told the board, I don't care what degree you have outside. It makes no difference in church. Because church is not about head knowledge. Church is about the anointing of God, the Spirit of God. The church was born on the day of Pentecost with people who were never schooled. Fishermen. Thank God, not scholars, not PhD, MABAs and all that. None of them were schooled but they were used by God. So it brings us to one principle. Doing the work of God needs God's anointing and direction. Amen? Not secular way. It's good to have secular knowledge, but that's not the way to run the church. Because you will fight. Ego. Watch your ego, church. We all have it. Amen? We all have it. If you don't have it, you're lying. We all have it. How we let, don't let it control you. Keep your ego under control. Amen? Keep it under control. We are in, let me tell you, we are in control of all our emotions. You want to cry? You say cry, you cry. You want to sleep? You close your eyes, you sleep. Don't say, I don't know. The devil make me sleep. Hey, don't, don't tell me these thought things, huh? The devil make you sleep. So, so we are in control. Learn to control that ego. That's calling managing, managing yourself. There was an ego. Number two, besides pride. If you look at David and Saul's son, Saul's son had the spirit of competitiveness. He always want to compete. It's okay to compete. But don't let competition run your life. Somebody said this, if you want to compete, compete with yourself. Yesterday and today, I want to compete. Don't compete with other people. Especially in church matters. You know, I love worship. Eh? I got a lot. I got about 1,250 songs on my, what they call it? Spotify. Old people also can play Spotify. They say, don't play, play. Huh? Old people should go Spotify. I love music. But one of my longest and still desire is I love to be a worship leader. I don't know any of you got that desire. And so one day in Bible school, that was 1990. Huh? And one day in Bible school, the worship leader was sick. Ah, no worship leader. I said, well, this is my opportunity. Huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Make him sick already. Now I guess. <laughs> I went up to lead worship. After that, when I came down, my professor came to me. He's a big boy. He said, Pastor Michel, listen. He talked this way. Huh? Listen, don't ever worship lead again. <laughs> I said, why? 
He said, the way you lead worship, the living will die. <laughs> and the die will come back to life. <laughs> and from that day, I never... Because I just don't have a year for... I was going this way, the musician going that way, I'm going this way. Eh? <laughs> but that's my desire. And I never, ever... But I always appreciate every time the worship leader, I will go and tell the worship, you have done well. I'm not here to compete, but I'm here to compliment you. You've done well is to encourage you. We need in this church and in every church the spirit of complimentary to encourage. Thank you. You have done well. Not to compete. To compliment. You know how good when you compliment that person feels so encouraged? You actually motivate that person to do better. When you compete, you dampen the spirit of that person. Church, Saul's son was going to compete. He was called at gathering, bring your people, bring the knife. He was going to compete to show David who is stronger. But little did he know, David had God on his side. And God never loses a battle. Amen? Victory came to David, defeat went to him. Because he, comp comp but he wanted to compete. In church, be careful. In the practical application of this, sometimes you say, but my leader, he doesn't have a BA. I've got double degree, so what? One day in my church, I asked somebody to do ushering. Because when the day I got saved, from the day I got saved, how many? At least seven years or eight years in church, I stand at the door. I love ushering. I shake hands, I hug. I'm a hugger, so I like to hug people. For seven years, I did that. I love ushering. But when I asked this guy, he told me to my face, Hey, Pastor Mitchell, I've got a PhD, you know. Why you ask me to do ushering? Then I thought, and looked at him. What has the PhD got to do? I'm asking you for a heart of a servant. He said, no, I won't do. Education, listen, huh? I'm not, I like it. Education can become a hindrance to our level of service for God. He won't do ushering. Oh, his hand got gold for PhD only. But his brain got nothing. He won't do. And I thought I was shocked because why would people talk like that? You know why? It's an embarrassment for me to stand at the door. But if you ask me to stand here, my ego is pumped up. Then I thought, church, don't let this competitiveness stop you from being able to be used by God. I love worship. I would pray God make me, but the Lord has reminded me, you will never be a worship leader. Just take that. You can pray all day long. Keep praying. I keep hearing your prayer every day. But every day I tell you, you cannot. Just keep praying. But don't, when you lose, some people when they can't, they go around destroying or discrediting other people. Oh, you, no, remember we had a guy in our church, his wife-to-be sings so well and he can't sing for nuts. But he will go around and tell people in church, she can't sing, she thinks she's a good, she thinks she's a good singer, right? And one day I called him and I said, don't ever do that. Don't kill her spirit. Because sometimes when people can't get and they can't compete, they go on a rampage to destroy you. 
But when you, com- when you compliment, go to that person and say, you've done well. You know, you have been a blessing. Your worship has been a blessing to us. You stir that person's spirit to want to do more. That person won't, don't go and compete and fight the spirit that God has put in her. Amen? Don't, competition produces bitterness. Competition produces jealousy and envy. Amen? Think about it. Why God, why do you give that person? No, 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 don't worry. We all have something good in us. Amen? Major on your good. Don't major on somebody's. Major on your good. Because bitterness drives us to commit sin. The root of bitterness, Paul says, the root of bitterness, it becomes a root. And a root produces a plant. Amen? And a root produces a plant that produces fruits. So you have the fruit of bitterness now. Don't be bitter. Don't be jealous. Saul's son was so bitter, so bitter that he forgot. He forgot he was dealing with God. He was blinded by the enemy. You know, I love to live in peace and harmony. How many of you like? I like to go to a place just where harmony. I don't like to go to a war zone. Eh? What you say, you must be careful because that person will hear. Like one day, I said something and someone went and told the other person, Pastor Miso said, you are, I'm better than you. I never said anything about better. I just said that today you did so good. You did so well. But somebody interpreted as, I said he's better than you. People twist your words, huh? But they don't know I'm a master in that, huh? But be careful. So encourage. Church, love the Lord. Love the Lord. And serve with the Lord's heart. Encourage. We are all different and unique. Amen? I am gifted in different things you cannot do. I tell you straight, you cannot do with what I'm gifted. And I cannot do with a lot of you with what you are gifted. But my gifting, I will do the best. Amen? Because that's me. But I won't compete. I won't go and say, Sister, can you, can you quote this section 375 or what they say? You don't know anything about law. Then I tell you, hey, I know, know how smart I am. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. No, no, don't compete. That's your strength. Major on your strength. But the good thing is use your strength to encourage. Not to belittle, not to destroy, not to harm. That's where Saul's son didn't run. He didn't know. And David was a, you know, David is a shepherd boy. David is not a university student. Eh? How many, you ever see shepherds in the student, in uni? I haven't met any sh- shepherd or sheep in the uni. Eh? All scholars. David was a shepherd boy. But David was anointed with God's wisdom. Which is hard to get, cannot buy. It only comes from God. Amen? Don't let bitterness. That's the two points. But the third point which I want to major is the difference between Saul and the son and David was David had humility. A humble spirit before God. The cure for that would be be humble. 
You know, humbleness is not being weak. Can I tell you that? You are humble doesn't mean you are weak. People always equate humbleness as weakness. No. David was humble. David gave all. He said, you choose the place. You tell. David was so, he let Saul's son do the whole thing. And he rocked up there. Humble. The most difficult characteristic to be found today is the characteristics of humility in our lives. We are living in a day and a time where arrogance is the drive of the day. Arrogance. Stand for what you want. All that is good, but the spirit behind it is arrogance. Fight, bring them down. It's humbleness. Do you know, do you know that Jesus was a humble dude? How many of you know that? He came to what? To serve. To serve. The King, the Messiah, the Son of God came to what? To serve. Hey, are you okay or not? Jesus, are you okay? What did you drink this morning? You serve. You're the King. You're the Messiah. You serve me. Don't joke. You know, just now we were really blessed. Where Sister Lillian I actually, after preaching, I always love to drink kopi eh? and kopi O. No sugar. And she made two cups of tea and she sent to us. And she said, this tea I want to give for you too because it's cold. And I thought, had a humble heart to serve us. We could have gone and asked. Uh, but the act of humility is greater than the knowledge of humility. The act. David had a heart of humility and he was willing to serve. He was willing to go down. And humbleness always wins. Amen? How many of you know that? Humbleness always wins. Not today, but at the end of the day, humbleness wins. And David, in all his humility, served and he did whatever. And he won the whatever the situation is. God respected his humility. God gave him the victory. Church, my cry for you today is, where are you on the scale of 1 to 10 of humility? Where are you? Which number are you on? Which number? Does the world, your office staff, your colleagues, your friends, where you recreate, do they see a trace of humility in your heart? Do you, do you stand there and speak with them that they Catch the contagiousness of your humility. Humility. May our hearts be humble before God. May our lives be filled with humility that the world may see Jesus in us. Amen? It's my time to be humble and I'm going to end the sermon. But before I end, I want to leave you with this thought. Go back. Sit in the quietness of your room or in the solitaire of the day. Review your heart before God. Just review. Do a self-reflection on your competitiveness, on your pride, and on your humility. 
do a self-reflection. Because when you self-reflect and you turn to God and you repent, it's a powerful repentance. Hallelujah. Abba Father, Lord, thank you for the lesson of the day. But above all, Lord, every lesson is good. But every lesson is made perfect if we would carry it out, Lord. We would be willing to do, to subscribe. I pray for the church that you would stir their hearts to know, Lord, that you are in control of this church. You have anointed this church, the leadership. You have anointed every season of this church, Lord. May we be in submission to this, O oh Lord. May we not compete or challenge it, Lord, but may we complement, Lord, the work of this church for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, church. Thank you very much. God bless you.